Hi, everybody. This is J.A. and just want to welcome you to Live It Out podcast, where we don't just bring you information to succeed on your vocation, but in your spiritual, relational, physical, as well as your philanthropical lives. And um, I want to just be able to uh, bring your hosts to you. First of all, I am J.A. Dava. I am one of the senior coaches, co-founders of Latreya Coaching and consulting. And of course, uh, right next to me here is my business partner and friend, uh, Paul Waldrop. Paul, welcome, man. Man, I'm so happy to be here, Jay. I'm so, I look forward to these. I love doing these uh, interviews and talking to really great people. It's been a great week. So I'm, I'm excited just to keep the energy going. Yeah, it's been a week, right, Paul? Yep. It's been a heck of a week for uh, business right now, hasn't it? Well, I, you know, we we've got to do what we coach other people to do, right? There are things that we have to do systematically. You don't always see the instantaneous results, but if you keep doing it, you keep moving forward, it comes. And, you know, I, I had done a, a video earlier where I talked about sometimes you plant seeds and sometimes you water those seeds. And sometimes you're picking fruit off the vine. Well, this week is like picking fruit off the vine. It's a really, really sweet feeling. Yeah. And we've had some seriously good interactions this week. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Not privileged enough to be uh, on these calls. And I tell you what, I'm extremely excited about uh, today, uh, very specifically, because um, today's topic is really about living out uh, mortgage today versus yesteryear and really about coaching again right and and is our coaches really necessary paul right in in today's market everyone's talking about how tough it is and everything else but truly our coach is necessary at this point and our special guest paul is david williams and uh, let me tell you a little bit about david all right uh, so he brings almost 40 years, okay? Now, he told me to tell you guys that he started at the age of 12. That's between you and I. I, 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 Well, you'll you'll see, okay? So, um, but anyways, he brings over 40 years worth of knowledge and leadership and home financing. It's really interesting, Paul, because um, I think when you look at his um, bio today, it says senior loan officer. And... um, He's more than that. He's a lot more than that. You know, you know, Jay, the beauty of having someone that really has that kind of experience is that they bring wisdom. And wisdom is just living through something and using that knowledge to just navigate forward successfully. A lot of the loan officers we've been talking to and a lot of managers and leaders, they've not experienced a market like this. And it is unique. But at the end of the day, when you've had some business cycles over, you know, a few years, you're able to see some commonalities and you know what works and what doesn't work. And so I love having folks that have this kind of depth of experience and wisdom that we can bring to the table and just talk about, okay, take a deep breath. You can make it through. There's still a lot of success that can be had. So that's what I think is beautiful about these types of sessions. Yeah, and if you ever look up David Williams, by the way, in any of his social media areas and you see him as a senior loan officer, um, I will tell you, that's just simplification of life. That's where the wisdom really kicks in. 
but um, his experience uh, spans throughout all the different areas, really, and levels uh, that you would see in the mortgage industry. Um, and and really, one of the things I'm extremely proud about is that he's one of the hundred most influential mortgage executives in America. Yeah. Um, and so um, we're extremely, extremely proud to have uh, David. He is not only someone that I've known in the industry for quite some time. He's, he's become a friend. Uh, we have a lot of things in common. And um, I gotta, I, I'm gonna bring him on here because I want to ask about something in his life. All right, because uh, um, he's not just about mortgages. So I'm gonna bring him on. Uh, welcome to uh, our podcast, David. Thanks, guys. How are you? Welcome, David. Thanks. Honored to be here. You guys, uh, you know, it just makes me smile. I've known uh, JA for uh, we won't say how long, and Paul just from the introduction I had about you from JA, and I know who wouldn't partner without being with somebody that was like-minded. So I'm, I'm really looking forward today with you guys. Awesome. So happy yeah. to have you. And I just love your enthusiasm and your energy. We were talking about that even before <laughs> right. you know, we were kind of in the lobby talking. I mean, it, you're just so fun to talk to. So I'm just so glad that the audience is going to really plug in and connect with you as well. Thank you. Appreciate that. And by the way, when I was joking about him starting in a business at the age of 12, you now can see, right? He probably did. No, no, let me finish. Uh, what I meant by that is, doesn't he look like he started at about 12? Right? So, uh, so a little side note about that. I, I have a little bit of a vanity gene and my hair was like my thing, right? And up till about, I want to say two years ago, I was nursing it, nursing it, nursing it. My wife was like, you're done. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. And it was like heartbreaking. It literally took me a year and a half to get used to this look. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I'm going to point it out. What I'm really trying to tell you, David, is that you don't look like somebody that's been in the business for 40 years, bottom line. Right? <laughs> right. So, well, it cost me my hair, but other than that, I'm great. <laughs> well, then you brought that up, and that's on, that one's on you. But you know what, right. David, the other thing that I, I absolutely saw uh, when I was looking into um, you know, your social media and everything else. And it talks about that you're a family man. Um, you, you, you have grandchildren, right? And yes. you love hiking and biking, but there's this other thing. Because <laughs> there's something I know about David, and it was the first time we met, um, that it says here, driving his cars, okay? So but people talk about riding motorcycles and things like that, which I know you do as well, by the way. I do. But driving his cars, with an S at the end of that, David, explain that to me just a little bit. What is that a passion or something? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Um, so growing up, uh, all my friends' parents bought, you know, my my friends' cars when they were 16 years old, and my dad gave me two things in my life. Uh, first of all, my compassion for my people, for for people, and my work ethic, and so. My dad said, you want a car? Go work for it. So I worked uh, one summer on Christmas vacation to buy my first car, which is, was a 1966 Chevy Impala four-door with a 283. Not your typical muscle-type car that all my friends had, who had, they had Mustangs and Camaros and Chevelles. And so I said, if I ever made it in the mortgage business, I would buy my dream car, which was a 1970 Chevelle with a 454 LS6 in it. And so I was blessed to do that in 2000. And uh, it kind of morphed from there. 
um, a lot of time in the right places at the right time. And so now I have a number of, I'm a big block muscle car guy is what I am. And so lots of power, lots of noise. And, uh, you know, that's so literally now when my boys were before they had their families, you know, we would take them out every weekend and it was like a car show taking them all out. And, uh, now it's a little bit more of a chore because they all have kids. And so I got like every 30 days you got to drive them. So, I have to take them out, run them, get them hot, and then put them back away. What memories. Awesome. Yeah. So, Paul, we really have a Jay Leno over here, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk I wish. <laughs> yeah. I'm really lacking space and money, guys. Space and money. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, I, let's get down to, the, to yep. business. David, thank you again, and, uh, and welcome. Thank uh, you. I just got to ask you before we even get really started. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, what company you're with right now? And truly, yeah. when I talked about the 40 years, uh, tell us the gamut of where you've even been. Sure. So. Um, you know, I really got into the mortgage business by accident. Um, I graduated from college, and a company uh, was buying and selling land contracts, contract for deeds. Um, and they were they had were probably the first kind of net branch concept. And they were looking to bring somebody in right out of college to see if they could train them into the business rather than bringing these guys in and trying to break their habits of what they had already developed. And so literally I got into business in Kalamazoo, Michigan. My training was literally, but like this face-to-face -face desk. And I listened uh, to the guy that hired me to work with him and train me every day listened to his talk, how he, he handled the people on the phone. And then eventually one day just said, okay, Dave, all yours. And so I started doing that, buying and selling paper interest rates at the time were 16, 17% prime 21, 22. Um, and so what we were doing is we were blending, blending money between uh, new money and existing money. And, uh, as rates started to come down, this is going to sound really funny to a lot of your people on the podcast. Rates were starting to come down to 11%. If you can imagine, <laughs> that was like, yay! <laughs> and uh, the company that I was working for bought a mortgage company. And so I was forward thinking and said, hey, I need to get in and learn this gig now too. Uh, this is going to be where the business is going to go. And so I went and trained under a guy who now has his own mortgage company, uh, very well known in the industry. And tutelage him, ran on the street with him, just making sales calls to real estate agents. That was back when real estate agents were actually in the office. Um, and so learned that business, had the opportunity to come to Denver, Colorado, and uh, open up a, a branch for them. And kind of the rest is history. I then went to a, a, a company called Universal Lending, which is a big company uh, here in Denver, Colorado, became... Uh, their top loan officer and uh, was with them for 18 years. At the end, I was running their sales oh. production. And then an opportunity to grow with a company called Starkey Mortgage, uh, be a regional for them. And uh, so I did that. We became the top region for them. We were very fortunate. Um, sometimes it's better to be good and then sometimes better be lucky. And if you're both, then it's a great day. And we had just an awesome time together. And then uh, they ran into some problems and they uh, needed to someone come in and run production for them. And so I was honored to get that call. And so I ran national production for them for six years. And then uh, we had a, a death in the family, unfortunately, and I felt like I needed to be back in Colorado. I was commuting back and forth between Colorado and Texas, Plano, Texas. And so I stepped down 
became a regional for them for a little bit and totally transparent. Once you're the guy, it's hard not to be the guy. Right. And so uh, I tried a couple of regional roles at a couple of different companies and it just didn't work. And I talked to my wife and said, okay, I have two choices. I can go back into national production, which there was some op opportunity for that, but it would have meant traveling again. And I just wasn't willing to do that. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go back out in the street and do what I love. And that's originate loans, meet people, build relationships with real estate agents. And so I've been back doing that for the last six years. And it's been a, it's been a ball. It's been challenging, obviously, the last year and a half. Uh, but up until then, it was tough. It's still fun now. I mean, uh, the relationship building part with real estate. And I'm still, as long as I've been in the business, a lot of people are surprised at this. I still love working with first-time homebuyers. And the reason for that is they are just gracious people. When you help them buy their first home, they, first of all, I become friends with all my borrowers anyway, but then there's just this connection with them. And they, they're just, I mean, some of my best, you know, reviews on, on, uh, on my uh, reviews are those, those people because they're just so indebted for helping them and being patient with them and handling them. Yes. Yeah, David, I, I absolutely love that. On the real estate side, on my side of it, those are my favorite as well. Yeah. First time home buyers. I mean, everything is just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> every, every step is a good step for yeah, these no. right? and, and and gratitude is the right word for it. Absolutely. Right? Well, it's your best opportunity to create clients for life because they'll always sure. link that positive emotional experience with you. Because you help them get their first home, and there right. is nothing in the world like that. It's like it's no. like your first kid getting your first home. I mean, these are big milestones in people's right. lives. Yeah, and it's very rewarding. I mean, you just, it, it, you know, yes, we make a great living, you know, in this business, but that piece is just it just warms my heart to just connect with people and be part of that, you know, of who they are and what they've been able to accomplish. It's just fun. And that, that on its own is a in, is enough to be said on that. Uh, but you actually said a couple of things just even in your intro that you know um, your your relationships is what matters. And I think David, you know, you talked about those are incredible double digital digit numbers. By the way, right? <laughs> those are crazy numbers. I mean, right. I can't. Those are credit card money with mortgages, right? Yeah. So, yeah. They're they're massive, and so and and you were building it with relationships and going out. You even talked about how the realtors were out in their offices. Um, tell me about that. I mean, uh, is is that still a strategy that would even work today? Um, yeah. You know, so double digits to where we are today. Yeah. Then, right. I think what's really challenging in today's market is. Real estate agents aren't in their office. Like literally I would divide the city into A, B, C, D sections. And if I was making a call on one real estate agent, I had all the agents in that area in my, for lack of a better, some LOs won't even know what this is, a Rolodex, you know. Uh, I, I literally had a, a folder with all the cards in it, right? And if I would get to that section, I'd pull them out and go, okay, who am I going to make calls on so I could make the best use of my time? That doesn't happen anymore. Real estate agents are not in their offices. And so you have to get a lot more creative to get in front of them uh, to build relationships because you got to start somewhere. Right. Yes. And so much harder now than it was, you know, back in those days. Yeah. But what's interesting is that and I know you, you probably will not say it during this podcast, but I'm going to bring it up because I'm going to brag on you anyways. 
Uh, and I think you've won it multiple times, affiliate of the year, right? I mean, yes, you, yeah, you've won that. Um, so an affiliate of the year is somebody who's not in the real estate industry that uh, and and are involved in the community, involved with uh, multiple industries. Is that correct? Is that is yeah? That so it's the real estate board of realtors. It's the it's the it's it's the board that I belong to is SMED, the South Suburban Metro Broke uh, Metro uh, Association of Realtors, and so. Um, and my reason for me in that involvement is you got to be where the real estate agents are and they are there. Um, they show up there, they're, they show up at events and stuff. And so you got to get very involved with your local, you know, board, real estate board office, chamber of commerce, whatever, just to get in front of agents. Cause they're just not around. Yeah. Yeah. That's lots that, of networking meetings, you know, groups, things like that. Yeah, no, that is for sure. David, what, um, you know, so let's talk about a couple of different audiences just in this particular, because uh, there's people listening that are going to be executives and managers, managers and above, and then there's going to be the LOs, right? Um, and so when, when I heard you say 18 to 22, I just about cringe because, I mean, I thought ours was bad when I got started. It was around 11 or 12, right? Yeah. And I couldn't wait for it to hit nine. I remember when, <laughs> yeah. when, when Mr. We had eight percent. We thought we got the mother load. Like, oh my god! Like, right, exactly. Never right. going low, right? <laughs> yeah, we thought Greenspan was our greatest sales manager, right? right? Exactly. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's what it was. But um, so, from an executive level, um, if you had to look at, you know, how manage it, right? Today's world compared to then. From a managerial standpoint, is it a massive difference? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, okay. trying to connect. No, relationships are still relationships. You still got to build them. You still got to get to know them. You got to bring value to the relationship. So that part hasn't changed. Getting in front of them has definitely changed. And so, um, you know, what I do, um, I'm, so on social media a lot. Uh, so that's usually my first point of uh, contact is connecting with them on social media, following them, starting to comment on them, starting to build a relationship mm -hmm. from a social media standpoint. And my kind of, this is my okay to make a call to them on the phone is when they start interacting with me. Now I'm a known entity for them. And so then I make a phone call and just, you know, typically we're like-minded at this point because we're sharing information and I just go, Hey, I really just would love the opportunity to meet you. And that's how I kind of start the relationship um, that way. Um, the other benefit being on social media as much as I have been and what I'm known for is when I make a phone call to a new real estate agent, they know who I am. I, you know, like a lot of loan officers have been doing refinances for the last, you know, two plus years and have been hiding in their office, you know, drinking from a fire hydrant. I get it, but they haven't been out making relationships. I got back in, in 2016, interest rates were, you know, low fives, you know, and yes, I got to <laughs> do some refinances for them, but I, I had to always do purchase business, which I've done my whole career. Like anytime we had these little blips and refinance and I can go back, you know, eight, you know, 1986, 1992, 1998, like I can, you, you can pull out your, you know, you get your social security statements. You can pull it out and see the blips when you had the big refinances. But when we did it back then, we never forgot about our purchase business. We just worked a whole lot more hours 
I think, you know, everybody kind of got fat and happy those two years here just recently because they were making so much crazy money and they didn't go out and build relationships. Now, all of a sudden, they want to go out and start doing it again. The agents are like, yeah, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Gary, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, uh, David. Uh, what's the right number of agents to work with, to build those relationships with? Some will want to have a large number, but you're really only going to be talking to them every once in a while. Right. You can't have too few. You can't have too many. So, David, what's the right number to have? So up until last year, I said 20 to 25, you know, deep personal relationships that you were talking to, meeting with. And then last year hit and I'm like, all right, I talked to Cindy, one of my coaches and said, okay, I think I need to double those, you know, so I need, I need to get at least 50 relationships going, talking, interacting with, and then going into this year, I told Cindy, this is crazy. I think I need to triple it. Like, you know, so you're not, it's hard to go deep now. So if I went from, you know, 20 to 25 to 25, you know, 50, like you're in different stages with all these people, but you got to continually try to grow. And out of that, you know, what you're hoping, like a lot of agents that I'm doing business with, if they do one or two deals a year, you know, they may not be happy about it, but that's all they're able to do right now, right? right? With the market, the way it is. And so you need to cast a wider net, build more relationships. And I tell, I, I tell my, my coaches, like, if, if everything goes crazy for me and I've planted all of these seeds, you know, God love that I'm closing 30 to 40 deals a month. I used to do that in my earlier days, but we had 60 to 90 days. I think if you build your teams right, you can close that amount of volume still today. But you need to have that big net out there to bring them in. Right. So so on that note, David, let, let's talk a little bit about one of the bigger issues where you've got such a heavy bias towards the seller having the advantage. And now you're trying to work with agents that have multiple offers. Do you have any particular strategies to get your particular buyers maybe at the top of the list and being willing to maybe be considered for a contract over and above someone else? What do you do for that? So, yeah, and this has actually worked really well for my agents. And what I'll do is um, when my agent gets ready to write an offer, I put together the lender letter, I send it to him and I say, hey, right after you send the offer and the lender letter to the listing agent, send me the listing agent's contact information. And I'm going to make a phone call on your behalf. And then what I do is I call the agent. Um, it's hit and miss. Sometimes you just have to leave a message, but I introduce myself I talk a little bit about the buyer um, and their qualifications. And then I talk about me and my experience in the industry and the company that I work for. And, you know, that we're not you're not dealing with a novice here. The goal is we got to get this thing to the closing table. And that's what I'm here to do. You know, typically my buyers are already pre-approved. They've already been underwritten. So we're just lacking an appraisal. Right. And so that added call. I've had agents call me where they've accepted the offer and call me and just say, I want you to know the reason I'm accepting this offer is because of you, yep. you know, because of your phone call, the confidence that I know this is going to close because you're handling transaction. That's awesome. And, and you know, I, I've talked to several folks that says, well, I've done that. I They've done that for a little while, but not consistently. Yeah. And they think it's a magic bullet and it's not. It's just one of your many strategies that you just need to employ Correct. in this day and age. Yep. Yeah, I'm hearing you loud and clear, David. I mean, even from um, way back when, when the, when the interest rates were double digit, 
all the way to where it is today, it's single digit, which historically, <laughs> from our perspective, historically is a tremendously low rate. Right. Um, but for some of these guys who came in at five, it's a little bit higher. But by the time it's all said and done, the strategy is still pretty much the same. The relationships are created, and that's why you continue to be with your affiliates. And and I love the fact that you are back in, you know, boots on the ground, so to speak, as a loan right. officer, because, um, you know, it sounds like the strategy is still the same. The approach is different. Correct. And I, I will be a, a great testimony to you that David and I actually got, we got to know each other a little bit more because of social media, because of our interaction in social media world, for sure. Right. And so, um, so it ab absolutely works. Uh, David, you know, here's one of the things we hear a lot uh, from the field. Okay. This market is so tough. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever seen, seen this kind of a market before. And I, I'm not sure we're going to make it out of this um, mess. <laughs> say to somebody, what do you say to somebody like that, uh, David? You know, I, I think what's great about this industry, people are always going to be buying houses. They have to live somewhere, right? And yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, there's no inventory. Um Yes, buyers may be nervous about interest rates. And I, I mean, I think that's where education comes into play, right? You've got to be a beacon of positivity. You got to tell your buyers, you got to get in somewhere, right? You, you, you got to get started. At least in Colorado, we're always continuing to have appreciation. I mean, people say, oh, the bottom's going to fall out. You know, 2008, that's, that, that was a whole different thing in 2008 to where we are today. And, and so, you know, at least for the Colorado market, we're saying three to five percent continued appreciation. Lots of companies are moving in here. And so, you know, our we have to educate our buyers. Look, here's the opportunity. I mean, in Colorado, the rents are insane. And then when you look at what their opportunity is to buy a house compared to rent and start building wealth, it's an education process. You have to slow way back down and take some time, kind of walk them along a path, make them see a future that, you know, they got to start somewhere and build wealth. And and so I think, you know, it's us slowing down a lot more, bringing a lot more education to it. Well, and, and you know, and, and based on that line of thinking, and, and I love the fact that you just said that there are people that are still going to buy houses. There's the I want to buy a house and then there's I have to. Same thing on the seller side. I don't want to sell my house. I have to sell my house. There's life events that come in. Right. Talk about the power of your network. Over your career, you've probably built a pretty expansive network. And I just imagine that going back and trying to make sure that you come, you stay top of mind with your first level contacts. Right. You want to get into be known in the second and third level contacts right. because you need to reach those. I have to sell or I have to buy type right. of, of uh, uh, contacts. Talk about how you do that. So I think, yeah, obviously relationships are extremely for, important to me. And so when I came back, so Denver was my backyard, obviously when I hit my home runs and on the production side and was the top producer here in Colorado. And when I came back in, you know, this five years ago, I went and called on all my real estate agents I used to do business with. And uh, I was very blessed because they had two questions for me. First question was, are you really back? Like, you're not doing this and then you're going to go back into management because I, I left. I was 18 years in management. I say that's my one career mistake was I got off the street, became the management guy. Now, granted, I've met tons of wonderful people. They're still friends. Jay's one of them. 
And I've got an amazing network at top of mind. I just came back from Vegas, Mastermind, and you know all the top leaders in the mortgage business are there, and they're all my friends, and I got to see them all again. Um, so when I came back, they're just like, okay, if you're back. And the second question was, are you going to still be available, and are you going to still bring your creativity to these deals? And I'm like, yeah, that hasn't gone away. And so I was blessed to jump right back in with a lot of my agents. They were like, you're back, you're my guy. Um, and I think that just was a testament for the relationships I continue to have, even during those 18 years. I still talk with them. I interacted with them, called them on their birthdays, you know, just maintain the relationship. Um, so I think, you know, that's that was a big, big benefit for me um, on those. And then, you know, as you're dealing, you got to ask your buyers, you know, for referrals. It's kind of like my insurance agent, you know, every time I call him about something, he says, now you're giving my name out, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll start again, right? Because you know, right? So you got to remind your people, hey, you know, and not in a noxious way, but you got to say, hey, just remember, you know, if you know somebody that's going to be buying or selling, you know, let me know, you know? And so I think at some point you need to be self-promoting yourself. You are you are so right, Jay. I got to ask. I got to ask David another question. I've just had a lot of conversations of LOs trying to get back into these relationships and talking to real estate agents, right. and they say, "I got a guy." Well, it's David Williams at the other end of 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 the guy. He's the guy that the that the real estate agent's doing business with. How how do talk to a loan officer? that's talking to a real estate agent that's got their guy, a David Williams on the other side, what do they need to do to start them thinking about, Oh, I want to be your guy. I want to be your gal. Talk to them. And every one of my agents that I've continued to be, I was the second guy. I, okay. I, I was the B guy. Like I was in the B position. So what I, and I still, to this day, I got, I meet new agents that are top producers out there that know who I am, but they got a guy. I mean, they definitely do. So first of all, what I do anyway, I don't know if it's a magic book, but I honor the guy that you're doing business with. You know, chances are I do know him, you know. So, yeah, Paul's awesome. He's really, really good. Um, but look, you know, sometimes there may be a time that Paul may not be available or there may be a deal that Paul can't do. And I have an amazing network that if I can't do a deal, I got relationships with banks and I can place the loan for you to take care of your client. And a lot of times when I'm doing that, they go, well, do you get paid for that? I go, no. I, but it's the right thing for me to do for you, for your client, to get them in the right right loan. And so I, I think, you know, just acknowledge the fact that they got to go one and then just be there. Stay in contact with them. There's going to be a time that guy's going to be on vacation or not call and they're going to need somebody. I'll give you an example of one of my top agents right now who I was, you know, he was on the listing end. I connected with him. He called me on a Sunday night and he said, Dave, I need your help. I'm like, okay. And I'm at my son's house. He's, I said, I'm writing an offer. I can't reach my other lender to get a lender letter. And I got to get this offer submitted tonight. Can you help? I said, absolutely. I said, give me five minutes. I'm going to leave. I got to run home. Have your client ready. Here's the things I'm going to need. Let me talk to your client. So, you know, I got home. Luckily, I'm only at 15 minutes from my house. Got home, called the buyer, had him email all their documentation, ran a quick credit report, was able to qualify him. And within a half hour, I gave that real estate agent a lender letter. They got the deal. I'm gold now, right? I mean, he, he tells everybody about that. 
And so sometimes you just, you're right place, right time. And then you yes. perform. And I always tell my group, this was, and I've done this my whole career. If I have an agent and I finally get him, the first one I go, okay, we're going to blow this guy away. We're going to wow him. Right. So ready, boom. And all hands are on deck, you know, and now our systems work so well that we communicate and do everything. But back in the day, like you were every step of the way, there was no automation to, to tell people we made phone calls, we communicated. I think that's still important today. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. Yes. And you know what? One of the things that I just heard you say, which is really kind of just phenomenal on its own, is the word creativity. So only, you only said it once in that whole dissertation, but that creativity is something that becomes very, very important. I think I, I think as we grow into this and you and I both have been in the business, all three of us actually right. have been in the business for so long, that the last thing I thought I, did, I would ever do is podcasts. And the last thing I'd ever ever think I'd be doing is social media. Right. Um, but, you know, the creativity must continue. And, and so that Absolutely. relationship, right? The relationship, well, the yeah. creativity, that relationship. That's how I created my whole career in the beginning was taking deals other loan officers couldn't do because I, I always say I'm the MacGyver in the mortgage industry, right? I could take a deal apart, take all the parts, put them out and then put them back together and, and, and do a deal. And that's what I was known for back in the day was uh, somebody, oh, call Dave, you know, somebody hear about it, call Dave, you know, and inevitably I was able to put the deal together and that's still a trade I have. You don't lose that once you have it, right? It's like riding a bike. It's always wow. there. And I think that creativity, when it's kind of out of the box, they just say, hey, you know, and you get you get referral just from that piece of it, that you're not afraid to tackle a deal. I mean, I get a, a new construction, right? They have their own lender. And I mean, you know, if there's any LOs that are builder lender, please don't don't kill me for this one. But typically they're in the box. You know, if you're a W-2 employee, pay stuff, self-employed, God forbid. I can't tell you how many deals I got from self-employed because the loan officer couldn't read a flipping tax return to know how to qualify. They're taking the bottom. They didn't know they could add them, you know, you know, depreciation and whatever else on the, on the file. And so, you know, I think that's really important in our industry. I got to ask you, David, and I love what you just said about being creative. How much of that is dependent on you working for a lender that's got like those niche products and how much of it's dependent on you just knowing your guidelines and knowing how to be an expert at qualifying, creative financing, that type of thing? What's the what's the mix there, the balance? I, I, I know a lot of people that get into that niche stuff. I, I have not done that myself. <laughs> Maybe it's something I need to consider just to, down the road. I haven't had to do that yet um, because I'm able to put the deal together. Or, you know, when you start doing those niche products, you got to be really good at them. And right. it's kind of like reverse mortgages and 203Ks. I don't do them. Like you got to be an expert on those. I refer them to friends I have in the industry because I don't want to screw up a deal. You know, you do a deal for a real estate agent and you don't know it. I, I feel the same way about that niche product unless I really got into it and learned it. I have enough other friends who I know do it and I'll just call them going, hey, I got a deal. Here's a situation. Can you help me? Yeah, great. Okay. Then I'll make an introduction to my agent and I'll just refer them out. It's just my reputation and who I am. I don't, I don't throw, you know, something against the wall and see if it sticks. If I say I'm going to do a deal, I do the deal. That's what, and, and by the way, that is where, you know, when you talk about creativity, it almost seems like you're going to be changing the way that you are. But um, one of the other things that absolutely is a lesson learned, and I hope everybody that's listening to this understands this, 
But one of the things that, that you said earlier as well was you were the B guy. Remember saying that? Right. Because there's an awful lot of people that make excuses that, oh, they already have a partner, so I, I can't, I'll never get in there. And you knew you were the B guy. And I have no doubt in my mind, they probably knew you were the B guy. Right. But the, I think but what you just talked about, being ready, and, and if, they, if, if they brought you a deal, you made it work. In yeah. other words, it's really knowing your products. It doesn't right. have, you don't have to be the shiny, you know, shiny object of a specific niche product, right. but you're willing to serve them all. And if you can't handle it, you're going to bring an expert in to, to get it done. Exactly. And I know a lot of people may not go along with this thought. I do. This is my, my personal opinion. Every agent that I have, I have their cell phone and their contact information, my phone. And so when the phone call comes in, I know who it is. And especially if it's a B player. Now, if I'm with my family, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, that's my family time. Unless it's that, that agent that I'm in the B list, then I'm picking up the phone. I'll just say, excuse me, I got to take this call, right? Because this is my, hey, it's like, you know, being a relief pitcher and they call on you, right? Hey, it, you're up on the mound. You, it's your time, right? You got you to gotta be mentally prepared for that. You can't say, well, I, I take off in the evenings or I don't work, you know, nine to, you know, whatever the situation is, you set your parameters on, you better break them. If you're in that B position, because you, you got to show you're ready, because if you're not, guess what? They're on the way to the next person. Yeah. Well, and that's how you become the A person. Exactly. But here's the deal. And and I, I want you to validate this, David. When there's a problem and you can solve it, rate is like the third and fourth thing on the list. They're not even right. thinking rate. They're thinking, can you get my deal done at that right. point? Right. Yeah. The other thing of it is, is once you go from the B position to the A position, your agents, they're fighting to stay with you. It's like, listen, for all intents and purposes, you're probably the perfect loan. But if a problem comes up, I want my guy, my A guy sitting in the seat because I know he can solve it and I'm not taking any chances here. Exactly. And so they can typically make sure that you stay in that A position. Is totally. that correct? That's totally correct. OK, absolutely. I want everyone. Even if even if sometimes the borrowers. I, Unfortunately, buyers aren't as loyal as they used to be. You right. know? And so, oh, something shiny over here. Let me go talk to that person, whatever. And so I've had to even change some of my verbiage uh, with my borrowers. Um, like I'd get referred from one agent, the buyer, get them all done and finished. And then they go off and go look at property with another agent. And I, so now, because it's happened to me enough times, it's like, hey, look, and if you do decide to use another agent, please let me know so I can reach out and tell them, and then I say this, because you don't want to have to go through this process again with anybody else. So I make it sound like, oh, the process is horrible. Don't don't let them take you to another lender and start all over again. You're done here. And then, then I make a call to that agent, introduce myself, just like I do on the purchase stuff, bring the value to the relationship, knowing, hey, I know you got another guy, but look, they're done. They're finished. I'm going to come to the table. You know, we're going to hit all the closing, you know, uh, dates in the contract. Well, let's do this. It is, it's a gold mine if you think about it, Paul. Right. Um, so we're out here coaching loan officers, and you've, you've got uh, David, who's who's a seasoned veteran, who's seen the twenty two percent all the way to the two percent, like the two and a half percent, and being able to see that. And honestly, I've not heard anything else besides maybe creativity in within how you communicate, how you build your relationships, and so on and so forth. But all of it is still, it still comes down to 
the very foundation of what our business is all about, really. It's service-oriented. It's relationship-driven, right? Yes, and and you've got to be ready for it, for each other, to help each other out. And it's a numbers game still, right, David? I want to – absolutely because of the time that we're dealing with, is that about what you're seeing? So when the market's really high, bad, whatever people are saying, like I'm hearing right now, it used to take me 20 pre-approvals to close three, four, five at a right. time. Now it's taken me 40 to get three or four or five. Is that what you're seeing? Is that pretty much real as well? Yeah. I mean, and you got to stay in touch with those buyers because they'll, they'll drop off. And if you haven't heard from the agent or the buyer, like I just did that this morning, they had, it was a million dollar buyer. They've written two contracts and, and then all of a sudden, you know, I've not heard from the last offer, you know, it didn't go through. And I'm like for about a week and a half, two weeks, I guess, nothing. So I just called, Hey, I'm just checking in, see how you're doing. And by the way, what is so-and-so doing? Cause I haven't heard anything. Right. Are they so, Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they have had some other stuff. They're going to be back in like, okay. And then I'll just make a call. Hey, just want to let you know I'm here. If anything come up or anything's going through your head on what you're looking at doing, let me know just on top of mind. I mean, you just, you, you can't assume these people right. are going to remember. It's like my insurance right. agent, right? Reminding me, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, you know what? I'm, I mean, my gosh, I could keep talking to you, David. Um, and, and just to tell you, but to re- just kind of recap everything that you just talked about, whether rates, bad market, good market, all the way around the foundational thing that you've done and done cleverly and beautifully. Uh, even when you left for 18 years, the foundational relationships that you built out is really key in the foundational building of your business. So everyone that's listening to this, please take it from somebody. Do not buy into the excuses that it's a bad market, good market, and all those kind of things. Like David and Paul both said, this is, people are going to move no matter what. People are going to sell no matter what. And so with that, want to make sure also that you remember that realtors have relationships just as much as you have relationships. Your availability and your knowledge and just your ability to uh, adapt to the situation that you're in is also foundational. And, and let me and, say one more thing that I yeah, think you don't mind that I think is really important. Yeah. Have something to value for those agents. Don't right. just, you know, so I, I, I have a number of different books that I use that I leave as a takeaway. I, I put inside just a message to them, whether I'm already in a relationship with them, not in a relationship. So that so I'm I'm bringing something to value to help increase their knowledge in their industry, whether it's a sales, whether it's a self help or whatever. Just bring some, always have something of value with you. So kind of like, hey, you're doing something a little bit differently than everybody else is doing. And that has not changed at all. Right? Right. It's from the beginning to where it is today, and it's not a keychain, right? It's not. No, 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 no. That's uh-uh. just your company, by the way, <laughs> right? It, it's something of value, and I think books are a great thing, right. by the way. Um, and so I hope you're well read as well, so that uh, absolutely, definitely, the key point of that is that you better be handing out something you've read, by the way. So always, uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Uh, because of our time, now I got five minutes left to talk, to ask about something that's near, near and dear in our heart. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and, I, and I'm going to uh, probably, this will be my last question, and David, I can't say enough. But um, when you and I were talking, and, and obviously Paul and I are in the coaching industry, and, um, you know, and, and the way that we format our coaching, um, it's different. Right. There's we we approach. We're not afraid to approach certain areas of life. Right. But but you then said to me that you have coaches 
And that caught my attention, Coach <laughs> Can you talk about that for just well, a yeah, second? What I, what I like about what you guys are doing is you're just not hitting it from a business approach. You're hitting it from a business approach, a life approach, a spiritual approach. So at one point, I had three coaches because I wanted to hit on all those different things, right? I think you're the first ones that I know that are bringing it this way, at least what I've been exposed to, hitting on all those different things. And I think a well-balanced person needs all those things. So my life coach, who he's become a brother from another mother, um, yeah. 23 years, I love him to death. His birthday's actually today. Um, and he, you know, he just knows me like no other person. I do uh, life retreats with him. We've developed this amazing friendship. But he's he's helped. I, I met him for one reason was to help balance my life. When I called him, he was introduced by the president of my company. And I said, look, don't teach me how to make money. I got that down. Help me balance my life. Well, what he did, not only with that piece is he, he helped me balance my life for sure. But then he introduced me to a lot of different things. He helped me reconnect with my spirituality in a different way. Um, and so I would say he's kind of like my life spiritual. My my second coach I love public speaking. Um, she is a uh, for the. This for, is Cindy that you're talking Cindy, about. Yeah, right? Cindy. Yep. I want to give her kudos because I, I love Cindy Ertman. So yeah, so Cindy Ertman. Yeah, she. So yeah. I actually stalked Cindy uh, to be my coach, um, just because of her energy and her speaking. And she introduced me to Jack Camfield. I went through Jack's uh, training, trained the trainer, and so for me that deep in that. And then she also coaches me on the business side of things as well. So I still coach with her. And then I had a health coach for, uh, for about a year, Jonathan Roach. Uh, awesome. Love awesome that guy, guy too, by the way. I did tell him that you said hello. So he yeah. smiled when I said your name. Oh, and so, that. yeah, I coached with him, amazing connection with him, just honored to be a friend of his and his sacred circle of friends. And so, yeah, I think you gotta, you gotta have that in your life. I mean, you need to have your go-to people, uh, to be there in, in times of need. I mean, I had one two week spell that I literally imagined Jay, me being a little depressed. Right. But I was in a funk. Like it just, it happens to the best of us. Right. I'm like, huh. You know, and between my two coaches, they brought me out of that to bring me back in going, Dave, yeah, here, focus, focus, focus. You know, and I'm a huge gratitude person, but you need those people in your life to help you through that. Yeah. yeah. You know what, David, I don't want to beat that subject down because it is something that's near and dear on our side of it. And we I know built, that we built Latreya to be able to make that kind of a difference in somebody's life. I, I really just wanted to ask you that very, very quick question because of that yeah. exact reason. We hope we can be that blessing back to uh, to them um, and to anyone that really is looking for that, especially in this time yeah. right now. A lot of people are saying, oh, maybe I don't need a coach right now, but the value of a coach really yeah. honestly um, well, I'm not going to say I'm going to be fun watching you guys because I'm yeah. really I want to see how this all goes for you. And I wish you both the most success. I've had a ball with you guys today. Thank you so much. I'm honored uh, to be part of your group today and sharing my thoughts. Oh, Hopefully somebody found something worthwhile and all that stuff. If nothing else, of course else, they did, man. Of course they did. I had fun it. with you guys. So that's the main yeah. thing, right? Right. <laughs> exactly right. So, no, it, it, the pleasure was all ours, for sure. Yes. Uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am that you joined us and 
It is so great uh, to have you on. Uh, don't be too surprised if I knock on your door again on a, on a separate topic because I, I honestly believe there's a lot more to it. We could have well, concentrated be honored. Be honored. on leadership alone, right? So Thank you, brother. So I look forward to that, brother. Thank you again, and uh, I'm going to go Thank ahead you, and say goodbye now. Thanks, Paul, Paul, any parting words for, uh, for David? Paul, any parting words for David? Oh, Joe, just thank you for, for this. I mean, your experience is golden. And what I hope it encourages everyone is that there is no magic bullets today. It's just a different, just a different, slightly different approach to the classics of building your business. Um, and so you've, you've provided a lot. Love it. Thank you so much, David. It's just been an awesome day. Thank you so Great. much. Appreciate Take you, care, brother. Take care. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you real soon. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye. Paul, what a wow. You want to end recording? You can end recording. Wow. Uh, It's just been kind of a, oh, did I end recording?